Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, pet peeps, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm your host, Marie Hewlett, and I thank you so much for tuning in this morning. I hope you all are staying cool during this very hot summer and are remembering to take some extra precautions with your pets to make sure they don't get overheated and that they have plenty of fresh water available. Pet safety is an important topic for all of us here at the Pet Place, and today we're going to extend that topic to our local wildlife. You know, the local songbird population is in serious danger that is being caused by folks who don't even realize that their choices are wreaking havoc on the ecosystem. Today, Bob Johns, Director of Public Relations for the American Bird Conservancy, has some eye-opening facts and figures to share and tips to keep our local songbirds safe and sound. Then, after our halftime break, Terry Garcia, the CEO of Chief Furry Officer, will be stopping by to talk about pet bling. So after a very quick station break, we'll get started with this morning's edition of the Pet Place Radio Show here on K-Mozart. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewlett, and I'd like to welcome Bob Johns, the Director of Public Relations for the American Bird Conservancy. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? I'm good, Marie. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. I'm very interested in the American Bird Conservancy, and I'm wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit about this organization. Well, uh, we've been around for about 15 years. Our uh, main mission is to protect uh, uh, birds uh, in the U.S. and in uh, Canada, Central America, and South America. We focus on uh, the birds that are the most endangered, and then our our second-tier concern is with birds that are on what's called a watch list species. species. And then uh, lastly, we look at any threats that the birds face and uh, attempt to deal with them. Oh, outstanding. And and how did you personally get involved? Are you a bird enthusiast? Well, I have been for many years. Uh, Actually, I uh, retired from the government. I was in communications with the government for about 30 years, and then I retired and took a couple years off and then thought, geez, I don't want to stay home. And uh, (laughs) this was uh, uh, an organization that I had an interest in, birds and, and conservation and that kind of thing. And so I joined them about three years ago. Oh, excellent. And do you do a lot of bird watching? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> In fact, uh, I, I just got probably my third or fourth pair of binoculars about a month ago. Oh, outstanding. That's a real fun hobby. I used to do it when I was in college. I had an ornithology class, and one of our projects was to spot as many different species from as many different families as we could check off in one semester, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, birding is something that uh, you don't have to be an adult. A lot of young people do it, and it's kind of a family thing, if you like. Definitely. Hey, I have a question for you. There was a recent study that examined the effects of predation by domestic cats on wild bird populations, and I was wondering if you could give us a little background about it. Uh, I assume you're talking about what's referred to as the kitty cam study. Yes. Yeah, that was done by the uh, University of Georgia, 
and National Geographic, and that involved uh, those organizations uh, putting a very, very tiny camera around uh, the necks of 60 cats that were volunteered by their owners and, uh, in return for volunteering their cats for uh, the study. The, the owners were, their, their cats were given a full health workup oh. free of charge, so okay. there was, was some incentive. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the University of Georgia and National Geographic uh, put the cameras around the cats and studied different cats throughout the course of one year, uh, one to two weeks at a time, and uh, they gathered about 2,000 hours of video footage from these little tiny cameras that uh, the cats wore. Mm-hmm. And then they, they analyzed what they observed in the footage. Now, the key thing was the, the owners would turn the cameras on when they put their cats outside. Oh, I hate now, to even hear that cats are going outside, but go ahead and go on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the cats averaged being outdoors uh, from four to six hours per day uh, over the course of the study. So basically they looked at 60 cats essentially over the course of a year, okay. uh, over the course of four seasons, different cats for different seasons. Because mm-hmm. they didn't want the cats wearing these cameras continuously for a year. So. Okay, and, and what did they find? Well, they found a lot of uh, a lot of things that were kind of surprising to a lot of folks. Uh, a lot of the owners didn't uh, really realize what uh, all the different things their cats were uh, getting into when they went outdoors. Uh, some of them were interesting and funny, and, and some of them were uh, actually quite dangerous. But mm-hmm. from our perspective, uh, probably the, the the key finding is that uh, thirty to well thirty percent of the the cats were successful in killing prey. And uh, they were killing prey, those that were successful, at the rate of 2.1 animals per week during the study, or one animal for every 17 hours that the cats were outside. Wow. So uh, So if you multiply that by all the, uh, I can't remember what the exact number of, uh, or the estimate, rather, of cats are in uh, the United States. Well, I can provide that for you. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Most estimates agree that there's about 80 million owned cats in the U.S. And and I would say at least half of those cats are are outdoors a a good chunk of Yeah, pretty pretty close to that. Yeah, Yeah, you're, you're pretty close to that. And then you have, uh, there's estimates that range from 60 million to about 120 million feral cats, mm-hmm. which are, of course, outside 24-7. Right, so. right. And they, they're fending for themselves, so they're probably a little more actively uh, hunting, just to survive. Uh, it's entirely possible, entirely possible. Uh, well, what the does other a thing study they mean? I'm sorry. Um, what does a study mean in terms of wildlife? What kind of impact are we looking at? Well, uh, the, another thing that the study found that relates to your question is uh, the the average cat that successfully would kill would only bring one in four of its prey back to the owner. Oh, okay. so, yeah, so what we hear a lot from owners of, of cats that are let outdoors is that, oh, well, my cat hardly ever brings, ever, hardly ever kills anything. And mm-hmm. The answer is, well, they kill four times more than what you're seeing. Okay, that is good to know. You know, I have, I I really have my own personal soapbox for encouraging people to keep their cats indoors. My cats have always been indoors, and a lot of people think that that's cruel to keep a cat indoors. 
where I counter, well, if your cat is outdoors, it could be hit by a car, it could be attacked by a dog, it could be killed by a larger predator, it could contract contagious diseases from other loose cats, it can, if it's not spayed or neutered, it can reproduce, which is a story all on its own. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, and on and on right. and on. Yeah. And and now to add to all of this, and and this is something I am familiar with, but our listeners may not be, is it's a serious impact to our native wildlife. You know, particularly our wonderful little songbirds. Yeah, yeah. See, if you uh, do the math, and I and I won't go through all of that and bore all of your listeners, but if you go through the math <laughs> and take this study and and apply it on a national level, then what you end up with is somewhere between four and ten billion billion with a B wildlife that uh, are killed by outdoor cats uh, every wow. year, and so that's quite an impact. But you know, you, you just point out pointed out a minute ago all the reasons who, for people who care about their cats to not put them outside. I mean, you're, you're right; the predators that they face. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got dogs, you've got foxes. Uh, you've got coyotes. Uh, there, there's just all kinds of bad things that can happen, and of course, other cats getting in cat right. fights and things like that. Mm-hmm. So there, there's that, and then then there's also, um, unfortunately, there's been uh, th- three studies that have shown that uh, feral cats, you know, of course, the uh, uh, in, owned indoor owned cats that are, are not feral may be a little bit different. But what I can tell you is, feral cats. Seventy percent of them uh, test positive for the uh, parasite that is responsible for the disease toxoplasmosis, mm-hmm. and this is this is a disease that would be extremely dangerous to anyone with a compromised immune system, or uh, any uh, women that were pregnant or intended to be, to, to become pregnant in, in the near future. So, you, when you put your cat outside, you expose them to this kind of a parasite and, and disease, and that's nobody wants that either. I wouldn't think. Absolutely not. As you talk to people, what do you come across as the the biggest obstacle in in fighting against this common problem where people just have the mindset of, well, it's not fair to to keep my cat indoors all the time. Well, it, it's interesting because uh, there's there's plenty of ways to make uh, your indoor environment uh, interesting to a cat. There's all kinds of cat towers and, and things that you could either buy or make that would be of interest to the cat. Uh, one of the guys in the office here has uh, at, at least two, if not three cats, and one of them he got from a rescue. And uh, he built uh, an outdoor, uh, I guess it's called a cat closure or cat enclosure mm-hmm. that uh, has wire mesh, and, and uh, that's where he has one cat that he said would kill within five minutes of getting outdoors, and he has another one that wouldn't kill if something sat right in front of him. The cats just have two different personalities. Uh-huh. So he's particularly careful about the one that um, he says is um, is the killer, and he makes sure that that doesn't get out and it gets out to the the cat run or the cat enclosure. And, and he has cat little catnip toys to attack and kill. Oh yeah, well sure, sure. You, there's different ways to uh, have the cat uh, exercise its its stalking and predatory uh, instincts. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be outside and do that. But, you know, the other thing that was surprising to a lot of people in the study is that uh, they actually didn't believe that their cat killed. And uh, 
when they they saw the the video, it was they were shocked. Wow! Just you know, you know, uh, one woman just you know was was saying, I had no idea that my cat actually did that. <laughs> and, you know, and and then she said, I you know, I'm going to have to do something about that. And of course she. She did take steps in her own way to to reduce that, but I mean, imagine if you just cut in half the amount of time that your cat was outdoors. If everyone did that, then you would save two billion wildlife a year in the wow, United States. That's amazing. Yeah. And then yeah. if you just keep your cats indoors, period. <laughs> sure, that's even better. It's certainly going to be better for the cat. I mean, uh, for example, uh, feral cats. I mean, they've done studies and. and uh, they show that feral cats live one third as long as uh, indoor cats. Yeah. And so, I mean, that that's they don't have alone. a very happy life. It's very sad. And these are domestic animals, and I think that's what people forget. They didn't choose this lifestyle. They they were basically created by human beings to be companion animals. And you know, there was a time in history where cats were needed to uh, to hunt rodents and. And that sort of thing, and that was their purpose and their connection to human beings. But it's not that way anymore. We don't have to worry about the plague here in the United States. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, the the other thing that, that that people say is, oh well, it's just just our cat. It's just a cat being a cat when they go out and kill. And mm-hmm. They they say, well, it's just natural. You know, it, it's nature. And the, the the problem is with that. Yeah, it's that not nature. It's not nature uh, in in any of the Americas. Yeah. Uh, cats are, are not native wildlife to this area, and you, when you put them out, they're in an environment that, uh, well, depending on, they're, they're certainly a predator, and they're a very efficient and effective predator, and they also become prey. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's just, uh, it, it's one of the, it's the, the mindset that we have to get people over, them thinking that, oh, it's just natural, it's just a cat being a cat, and and other wildlife kill other wildlife, but, but they were a part of that environment, and they have evolved defenses that they have to one degree or another from predators. But, mm-hmm. but uh, a lot have, of them. Let me ask you a quick question because sure. we're almost out of time. Out of the people who took part in this study, once they realized the impact that their own little pets were having on the natural ecosystem, did most of them decide to take steps to change that behavior, or did they say, oh, it's no big deal, I'm, I'm going to continue doing this? Well, uh, the, the, those that I'm familiar with had uh, two reactions. One was, I can't believe my cat was killing. Mm-hmm. And, and the second was, I can't believe that my cat is going down the sewers and then <laughs> coming up and sleeping in our bed. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's that kind of thing uh, that... Uh, it, it's an eye-opener to cat owners, you know, what their cats are doing. And, I mean, they are just being cats, but they're, they're being cats in, in, in an environment they're not, that they're not well-suited for, and it's not safe for them, it's not safe for the wildlife, and it certainly ultimately may not be healthy for the owners to have their cats out there getting exposed to the things that they get exposed to when they, you know, run, run through sewers and, you know, just things like that. Well, hopefully our listeners will have paid attention and realize that, that they need to change their ways if they're allowing their cats to be indoor-outdoor or just have outdoor-only cats, which a lot of people have as well. So I'm glad you were able to come on and talk to us about it. And is there a website that people can go to to find out more information? Uh, sure. If they go to www.abcbirds.com, 
org, and if they were to just, uh, they could do a search on cats or uh, cats indoors would be a, a great topic. Uh, ABC has all kinds of information that would be helpful to cat owners in terms of dealing with this problem uh, if they have cats. That's outstanding. I sure appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. Marie, Marie, it was great talking to you. Okay, well, we need to take a very quick break, but when we come back, Terry Garcia is the chief furry officer of a very special company, so stay tuned. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewlett, and joining me now is Terry Garcia from Chief Furry Officer. Welcome to the Pet Place, Terry. Thank you so much for having me, Marie. I love that name, Chief Furry Officer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it has a habit of making uh, people laugh. Okay, so what is Chief Furry Officer? Well, Chief Furry Officer actually is a pet... Uh, indulgence company for pets and pet lovers, and we um, we hand make and produce in our own workroom majority of the products that we sell, and uh, we we definitely uh, enjoy what we do, and uh, we bring our our CFOs to work every day. <laughs> oh, good! So if you know sometimes when people call and there's barking in the background, that's because they're hard at work too. <laughs> Now, you guys make a fine jewelry line for dogs, right? Well, actually, it's for the pet owners, and it's really oh, funny because okay. people, people, although they love their pets, when they first hear about what we do, they'll say, I love my dog, but seriously, a three-carat diamond dog bone? Um, you know, it's basically <laughs> my background has start, was has been in fine jewelry for a number of years, and I uh, designed wedding rings and engagement rings and that kind of thing, and over time, I, you know, with my love for animals, I just couldn't find anything that was not cutesy but very well made and not terribly expensive um, that was pet-themed. And so I, I thought, well, geez, I'll just design something myself, and that's how I basically went to the dogs. But most people, at first glance, because of my fine jewelry background, think that I actually make fine jewelry for, for the pets. Although they deserve it, so does the, uh-huh. the pet moms and dads. <laughs> well, how about some uh, costume jewelry type collars and things like that? Well, we um, we do have a line of um, collars and leashes that we hand make, and everything is named after an L.A. city or landmark. I'm a New York trans transfer. I but, thought um, I recognized a little New York in your accent. <laughs> you know, it's hard to get the New York out of the girl, apparently. I've been gone for a really long time, but, uh, you know, I'm still a New Yorker at heart. But okay. Southern California is just a fabulous place to be. And so we've decided to name our collars, our patterns for our collars, leashes, and harnesses after L.A. cities and landmarks. And so we've got a full line of handmade collars and leashes and harnesses for, for our dogs. And we don't we don't use any plastic on any of our pieces. Oh, nice. And we use our signature trademark logo, the swirl paw print, on our buckles as well as in our jewelry. That's sterling silver. That's a more affordable for the pet parent. Okay. And um, we also have some um, charms and things for the collars for, for pets. Oh, very nice. So for people who really do like to dress up their dogs, they have uh, plenty of options there. And, and do you have anything that's matching? 
for the the pet parent and the pair and the pet? We do. Um, actually, we make a a belt that completely is manufactured the same way as our pet collars, down to the buckle and the D ring. So, um, and that's been really fun for people to. Ha- they've just been drawn to the to the belts, but also because we use our trademark uh, paw print, it, you'll find it on the jewelry that matches the buckle for the pets. And we are starting to come out with a bracelet that does look like our collars that will match exactly. So it's sort of like a mommy and me type of, of oh, look. Fun. <laughs> it is. It's very fun. <laughs> So, so this is some of the new stuff that you're getting into. Any other new stuff that you can uh, share some secrets about yet, or is absolutely? It still um, we're we're going to our big trade show again in September, and that's normally in September and February is when we do a big launch of some new products. Um, but we we do a lot of personalized items for pets and the pet lovers. And who doesn't love to carry their dog or cat, or we even get a lot of horses and bird photographs on our product lines. And so we have a brand-new iPad cover where we can take the, the customer's photograph and put it on the iPad. And that that's our brand-new piece that we're just introducing, and I believe it's just on our website a couple of days. But we do the iPhone 4 covers where they're personalized jewelry that um, people can we can put their pictures on and they can wear as, as gifts. You know, we, we have a full line of, of the personalized items, so we seem to add new products to that as well. And then we also have some new patterns that are we're really proud of. We have about 70 patterns and about 17 different webbing colors to pick from, so we've got a lot of new items coming in. Wow. You know, on the radio, it's so hard to really describe some of these items. I've seen them online. I'm wondering if maybe you can tell our listeners uh, where they could go to look at some of these things that you're describing. Absolutely. Um, We have a website that's www.chieffurryofficer.com, and you'll find our pet indulgences and our people indulgences on the website. We're also in a number of retail stores and some catalogs, and people, I'm sure, once they go on and see our products, you might recognize a few of them in some of your favorite catalogs. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty easy. And then we also, we just moved our offices, which include our production area, to Westlake Village um, in California. And so we do have a retail space, and we, we encourage people to come by and, and bring their pets and say hello. Wow, how fun. Hey, and I think you mentioned that you make everything yourself, so it's all made in the USA. How important is that to your company? It's really important. Um, We find that um, making everything in-house allows us to have, um, you know, a a good uh, feel for how everything is is leaving our office. Every, you know, we go over the the quality of each piece. They're stitched. The the webbing is American milled as well. And so we pay a little bit more money for the webbing, and we do uh, really put a lot of uh, effort into finding the finest hardware. And it's very important that it, that we manufacture here in our own uh, workroom. That's really great. I know that's important to a lot of our listeners, and, and I'm glad that it's important to you too. And I know that you're also doing some other very cool things like giving back and supporting nonprofits. 
and rescues, too. So I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit about your Callers for a Cause program. Right. Callers for a Cause uh, program actually started about a year or so ago. And because my uh, my chief furry officers are all rescues, and it's because of the hard work <laughs> of the rescue people who every single day go out there and do the really hard work. Yes. Um, and so in order for, you know, we, we get a lot of requests from a lot of different organizations, and we wish we could help every single one of them. But, you know, with Collars for a Cause, uh, basically what we do is we manufacture a product. In most cases, it's obviously a collar, and we have a dedicated pattern um, that goes with that collar. And the sale of the collar with 50 percent of the proceeds going back to that organization, wow. and so it's been it's been a really nice uh, way for us to give back. And right now we're working with Paws LA um, off of Hope Street in Los Angeles, and it's a phenomenal organization. And, it is. And, and what they do um, is just incredible. So we're very proud to have uh, two collars, one called Hope Street and one collars for Paws LA that uh, benefits them and it's actually done in their colors of green and brown with their logo you know their logoed colors so it's it's a really beautiful pattern and then you're also working with canine cancer awareness yeah we are canine cancer awareness is actually out of new york and it's a very small um, organization and um, what they do is they help provide funding for people who have pets that are going through cancer treatment that can't financially uh, afford them, uh, you know, for the, for the treatment. And what's happening right now is that they're not able to take any applications because the funding is so bad. So, you know, uh, the pattern that we selected was the traditional breast cancer awareness pattern. Mm -hmm. And we try to get awareness for canine cancer because of what they do, and, and they're a very small organization. That's amazing. You know, Terry, you have so many fun products and things like that. Before I let you go, if there's anything that we missed uh, in the few, the few seconds that we have, can you just go ahead and rattle that off because I don't want to let you go without getting it all out there. Oh, thank you. Um, I really appreciate that. I, You know, we've got a full line of the personalized items like I, I talked about, and it's really fun that people can be pretty creative. And with some of the pet tags, um, you know, we wear our pets' pictures on our wrists and around our neck, and how fun is it for people to give us pictures of themselves, their grandkids, and the pets wear them. So it's really kind of fun. We have luggage tags that you can put pictures on and a lot of really great items for the holidays. So if people are looking for anything that's pet-related for somebody that they may not uh, know what to get, just give us a try. Um, we've got some really wonderful programs, including the gift cards, where you can buy a, a specific item. It comes with a gift card and includes gift wrap and return shipping to the recipient. It wow. makes it perfect for gift giving. Great. Terry, that's wonderful, and I thank you so much for being on the show today. We do need to take our last break of the morning now, but when we return, be ready for Pet Place News and Events here on K Mozart. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Our friends at the SoCal Animal Response Team would like to remind you that in about 30 minutes, the 2012 Walk for Pet Preparedness and 7th Annual Pet Fair in the Park at the Long Beach Marine Stadium will be set to begin. If you head on out now, you'll be there just in time for the walk, which starts at 9 a.m. The $20 entrance fee includes a goodie bag with lots of very cool stuff. 
register in person this morning at the event. It will be a fun-filled morning that begins with a beautiful walk around Marine Stadium, followed by a fair complete with disaster information tables, adoption info, pet products, agility dog demos, opportunity drawings, and great food. For more information, visit www.scart.us. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org and send us your comments or suggestions for the show by emailing petplaceradio at gmail.com. That's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend here on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please stay or new to your pets and have a wonderful day. Thank you.